what was always hard for me and why I would turn to alcohol or to partying was to avoid the sitting still that is so necessary in growth and I haven't had to really sit still and it's a lot of work to sit still. Welcome to the show that drops in on people's moments of clarity surrounding their choice to not drink. I'm Kate Madry and I'm so happy you're here. Sobriety is like a thumbprint and just like your skincare routine or your self-care routine, everyone's sober care routine is very different. By the end of each conversation, you'll leave with a little bit more insight to help guide you while building your sober care routine. This is a clear-headed podcast. (sighs) I'm taking a deep breath because we all made it through a week of something being in retrograde and I'm not an astrologist. I do believe in it. I don't know it that well, but what I do know is that this last week for Sarah and I, and what I can gather is from everybody else on the planet went through a rough, turbulent week, last seven days, last 14 days. And honestly, in my personal life, I feel like I've been in turbulence for the last couple of months. And turbulence isn't always bad. Like it's not always something that, I don't know, makes you scared for your life. Sometimes turbulence in a flight can give you butterflies and remind you of a roller coaster ride. And and so I feel like I've kind of almost been in that kind of roller coaster turbulence where I've been excited and and I get that kind of like ooh feeling. You know what I'm talking about? The up, the down, where your body is higher than your stomach, so you're kind of like, ooh, um, like butterflies, you know? This last week, I'm not going to lie, it was really challenging. I wouldn't say it was particularly challenging in my sobriety, but it was challenging in my emotions. I don't think I have had that kind of feeling stretch (laughs) or exercise Honestly, like I can't even remember ever, uh, not in my adult life. And it was probably because in my adult life, I haven't historically been present for really turbulent moments. I used to numb them. And then it's been over two years that I haven't had a drink. And quite honestly, it's been intense, but really beautiful. And this last week was just a week where it was hard for me to find the beauty in the nose, in the rerouting, in the shutdowns, in the inability to plan and strategize and, I don't know, make choices confidently. And I just, I felt like it was time that you and I just sat down and talked about it because that's life. You know, we've said so many times on this episode's every guest's opinion on the reality of reality, the realness in life, and my realization that I now understand in a deeper way that when you are not drinking and you're sober, life is not perfect all the time. Life is life. The ups and downs are real and meant to be felt. And sobriety, what the great, the greatest tool of sobriety is not that you numb out and it's not that everything's perfect. It's that you are present for those ups and downs. You're present for the ride. And sometimes it can be overwhelming like last week. So I did learn some really good lessons 
And I think what was always hard for me and why I would turn to alcohol or to partying was to avoid the sitting still that is so necessary in growth. And I haven't had to really sit still in a long time. And it's a lot of work to sit still. It's not a sentence. But it really is. It's really a lot of work for me to sit still in my mind and in my head and not know what is going to happen. The lessons that I learned I want to talk about right now. And then I thought we could end the episode on kind of like a, I don't know, like a little experiment that I wanted to try. I've been so obsessed with ChatGPT. Okay, it's like kind of scary. I get that it goes so much deeper than I can even wrap my clear-headed head around. (laughs) But I was curious what people have been searching and about sobriety and sober curiosity and if ChatGPT or AI could assist me with and kind of honestly like ask me questions at the end of this episode. So that's what we're going to end on and kind of kick the week off on a fun note. (sighs) Can you tell that I'm out of breath and I'm just going through it? I'm just exhausted, but you know what? I'm happy that I am feeling the exhaustion and it means that I'm like kind of coming to the, the end of the race. There's a finish line. The first lesson that I learned this week is if not this, then better. If this is not going to work out for me, then something better is going to come. It's so easy for me to say that. And it's so easy to hear it and blow it off, specifically when you're not getting the that. Sure, sure, whatever, the better. But it is really true. This last week, and why Sarah and I went through this whole up and down roller coaster, is because we have to find a new house and a new place to live. And we had a lease and we had been approved. And they were going to send the lease over the weekend and we were supposed to be in May 1st, which is today. You're listening today on May 1st. So we hurried and put our 30 days in anticipating the lease. And this property rental group is sketch town. I mean, just so sketchy and there were so many red flags. And to spare you the detail and just even talking about it, I'm so exhausted, but they pulled it for no reason, for an invalid reason. And truthfully, it was probably because they didn't want a dog. Passion, our dog is an emotional support animal. We have a letter for that. They pulled it after they found that out. They blamed it on something else. But... We had done the work of practicing living in that house. You know, we've started, I made a floor plan. We started looking on Facebook Marketplace for new desks and a new rug. And we put so much of our furniture on Facebook Marketplace because we were like, we're going to sell everything and we're going to move into this new place. We're going to get new stuff because the style is a little different. And when we, (laughs) when they pulled it, I mean, we had 
a little less than half of our furniture because we had sold it because we were that, you know, it was that promise. And so we were left on a Saturday morning, last Saturday, with what felt like the rug so pulled out from under us and surprise, no floor. We didn't know where to go. We didn't know what we were going to do. Um, and our current landlords weren't super flexible on the fact that we had already put in a 30-day notice. So we started looking and looking for our next solution and everything was just not it. And I guess I could say long story short, but I do feel like this is already kind of a long story, but we now have a place and it is better than the original place and it has more and it is more reasonable and it is priced better and there are there is just so it is better it is just better and it was such an insane seven days of trying to turn back to this message of if not this if not that then better and I do know I'm sitting here knowing that I get to have the better and that is a relief and it does play into sobriety because man it's hard when you're into the hamster wheel or the ritual or the habit of drinking socially alone at dinner and the thought of taking that away can feel like well if not this then what then what am I gonna do and I'm telling you it's better The second lesson that I've learned this last week is if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no. And it's okay, more importantly, to have that mindset. I am a people pleaser. I like to fit in. I like to accommodate. I like to try to make friends. And in this last week, I think it's maybe looking at the houses and seeing, you know, comparing it to what we thought we were moving into and then seeing something different or like not as good but really truly also with people if it's not a hell yes then it's a no no is a full sentence you don't have to go into it and you don't have to go into it even with yourself sometimes we get so or i guess i do specifically let me know if you can relate but i get so overwhelmed in the explanation of why i don't vibe with someone something some place and you can just go no and that's good enough and that kind of pulls into the last lesson that i haven't fully learned yet and i'm kind of hoping somebody out there can help me with this it's more of a question than a lesson and that question is When people make you feel uncomfortable on purpose, what do you do with that? I have had and had recently some interactions where the person made me feel uncomfortable and I could tell. I could tell they were trying to mm, make me feel a little misunderstood or that I couldn't communicate efficiently or I don't know I don't know if it was a power move it it was you know an insecurity move I don't know but I don't know what to do with that I'm so fine with 
people making me uncomfortable and it not being intentional, you kind of have to get used to that when you don't drink. Whatever age you're at, you know, whether you decide to stop drinking later on in life or like me, kind of still in your 20s, you get really used to people asking questions. And I think, I don't know, maybe I've understood that the intention could possibly just to further the conversation to reflect their own curiosity to answer some questions that and and kind of like put it on my experience in order for them to gain clarity on theirs I, I don't know I guess I just like know how to navigate that but when people or a person is sitting across from you and really building a wall for you to hit with them every single time you talk to them what do you do with that I guess you pivot and you walk away kind of a big question but it's what I'm still trying to figure out okay I want to move on to chat GBT aka the question asking portion of this so I didn't really look these questions over before I browsed them Uh, if you don't know what chat GBT is you you should look it up (laughs) because it's gonna be and it is already everywhere I I don't I don't know. I mean, so many people love it. It has helped so many people. I know in the neurodivergent world, it's been a really great asset to have. And I know for students, it's been a great asset to have. And then on the flip side, I think professors are like, what? You could just write, you just, ChatGPT just write your whole essay? Like that didn't come from you. I don't know what what the result is going to be of this new AI technology, ChatGPT, figuring out the answer so quickly, efficiently, and sounding literally like a person. But I wanted to use it to kind of have a temporary host, a co-host, I guess, for this episode. So what I typed in was... What are the five most searched questions about sober curiosity? I won't give you the whole answer, but I'll give you the five questions. How about that? Question number one, what is sober curiosity and how does it differ from sobriety? Ooh, okay. Interesting. So again, this is what people have been looking up the most. It's just, it is really insightful too, to see like, um, the curiosity in the sober curiosity. I mean, sober curiosity to me just means like you're scratching the surface. You're asking the questions. Uh, not to change the question here, but I think really if we were going to dissect it, the more important question is how many layers of sober curiosity come before sobriety? And I... I would say that that's like a gazillion layer dip. Some people have like a three layer dip. Okay, if sober curiosity in the journey from sober curiosity to sobriety was a dip, mine was like a seven layer dip. Uh, <laughs> first, we had the guacamole, which was the 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 unease that I would feel when I really started to like uh, to wake up next day and go gosh I know I didn't do that great of a job uh the night before I know I said something that I didn't want to say even to me acknowledging that that alcohol made you a way that you don't like to me you're in the face of sober curiosity because you know that something isn't serving you even on the 
guacamole bottom layer dip kind of level. It's good, but it's at the very bottom. Building on that is like, I think it's just different for everyone. I think what, I think honestly, I feel also like sober curiosity is always involved in sobriety. Like you can take the girl out of Texas, but you can't take Texas out of the girl. Is that how you say it? But you get what I'm saying. Like you can take, yeah, I don't know. Does that make sense? I just think you always stay curious when you're in sobriety, before it, during it. And curiosity is really important. It's always necessary to reflect on your feelings, on your motives, on your triggers, on your, even on your confidences. Like, is that a word? But what you're most confident about, you should be curious about why you're so confident about it. What does that for you to build more moments and pillars of cure of confidence down the line i hope this is tracking (laughs) because because i get it in my head i is it working is it translating question number two how do i start exploring sober curiosity and what are some tips for beginners oh that's a good one Oh, that's a good one. It was kind of answered in the first one, I think. Um, But really to explore sober curiosity is to load up and start building that sober care routine. Your sober care routine can come in when you're only curious about sobriety. It doesn't have to be, you know, a lifetime of it. It can feel really overwhelming, honestly, to most people to try to build something for the rest of their lives. So my tip would be, if you want to start exploring sober curiosity, get one thing that piques your interest that is related to sobriety. That could be a book, it could be a journal, it could be downloading one podcast episode or replacing something on your bar cart just to see like what floats your boat and when you reach for those tools the most. Question number three, what are the health benefits of sober curiosity and how does it impact mental and physical health? Oh, I love that people are asking these questions. This is a good question. So yeah, I picked a good co-host. <laughs> health benefits of sober curiosity. I'm not a doctor, but you know what? Maybe we should do a full episode with a doctor to talk about this question specifically from a legit person. I will turn it over to my personal experience and it might not be the same result for you, but I think it's kind of the, what I can speak to is like the most commonly known things about cutting down your alcohol consumption or cutting it out completely sleep sleep changes when you don't drink and sometimes like for me i was like well now i can't sleep well that's because i was like knocked out with tequila vodka and whiskey at night and your body's not really sleeping you think it is but it's never hitting rem so there is kind of like that speed bump or that uh, transition before you get to the place where sleep can really feel resting (laughs) energizing but sleep was a big thing for me Uh, my overall 
like swollen puffiness was a huge shift and it took a couple of years to really really see but even when I look back the tightness of my face and my hands and pictures when I was drinking is just so night and day to how it is now and that's not even a um like to me that's not even a vanity thing it's just so I don't know factual I just look so different and I think I look healthier um I know I look healthier actually (laughs) and in terms I guess those are I guess sleep is more mental uh the the puffiness is physical but also with the mental health sober curiosity sobriety for me what it has done is not uh it hasn't completely cut out my anxiety but it has made it so much more manageable i have no idea how i was doing the level of anxiety on a daily basis that i was doing because i was drinking on a daily basis i have no idea how i was doing it um that has been probably the biggest shift in my mental health has just been the the cutting down on anxiety number four what are some non-alcoholic alternatives for those practicing sober curiosity and how do they compare to traditional alcoholic drinks okay i feel like i could have just done a full episode for each of these questions and maybe i will um slide into my dms and let me know if you think i should because these i mean i can't answer this in three seconds um but i'll try my best right now my go-to for a non-al drink here's my lineup aplos calm they used to just have one uh kind of like flavor or skew and that was really good but they recently changed it to have calm and arise and i'm obsessed with the calm it's so good it is cbd but there is no thc no mind altering nothing in there um so it really is just meant to give you that calm feeling and it's great mixed with my other go-to right now which is Hio. i love the watermelon lime uh it's so good i can't wait to crack it open poolside first of all it's pink when you pour it which is just like uh so cute like yes the cans are adorable and the owners and founders are phenomenal people so I feel really happy whenever I'm drinking a Ohio and it has adaptogens and nootropics that again aren't mind altering, um, but they do help you to kind of mood stabilize and get a good, nice, I should probably have a Ohio in my hand right now, honestly, because listen to me breathing. This is the anxiety that I'm facing. And then parch, so good. Uh, spiced piñorita is my favorite it's smoky and uh, again has some benefits to it that uh, adaptogens that help your mind to stabilize without altering it and I think you know there are a lot of non-al alternatives out there which is so fabulous because I remember even when I was still drinking and I wanted to you know do a sober weekend 
and I had to go to BevMo, and I had to walk past all the tequila I was used to drinking just to get to the seed lip and the liars, and that was full stop. That was it. And that wasn't even that long ago. That was in like 2020. And now there's so many different ways to get it. You don't have to just go to BevMo. You can go online. You can go probably to a, a local store in your, maybe not in your neighborhood, but I know we have quite a few good ones here in Los Angeles. And I know there's just one opened in Nashville called Killjoy. And I mean, I love seeing all of the different places you can get it. The, the second part of this question is, and how do they compare to traditional alcoholic drinks? That is a great question because just like there are so many different options, the comparability to alcoholic drinks is just that vast as well. And it depends on what you want. Uh, and what you want out of your non-al drink can also evolve and change. I... When I was first entertaining the idea of doing an alcohol replacement, I wanted something that tasted like my tequila because I was trying to cut down. So I wanted something that wouldn't taste very different than my regular spicy marg. There are tons of products for that. As I've gotten further along in my sobriety and I don't, I just don't really want it to taste like uh, a spirit anymore. I want something better. I don't want the burn in the back of my throat. I want the burn in my soul <laughs> through adaptogens and nootropics. And so there is so many things like I just mentioned that do that. And then there are other things that do really mimic the taste and profile of the spirit or alcohol or cocktail that it is named after or, or you know, remarked. But you know what's really important, I think, out of all of this is that and what I'd love for like the non-al I think space to get a bit more honest about is just how triggering certain things can be for people how just because somebody likes one thing doesn't mean that they are gonna love another thing I don't know it's just it's such a new market that a lot of people I think are like a one-size-fits-all and it's really unique to you like just like think about if you did used to drink like what was your drink order it was probably really unique and specific or you I mean maybe you didn't care at all you were just like give me the room temp Budweiser I don't really care but when you did order a drink I'm sure it was really specific and intentional and that's the way it should be in my opinion when you're not drinking so anyways check out our happier hour we have some great non-al cocktail recipes I love that that set me up for that plug. Shout out to the good co-host again. Okay, final question, number five. What are some challenges and struggles that come with exploring sober curiosity and how do I overcome them? Oof. Well, long pause because I'm trying to think of a really eloquent way to say what I'm going to say, so I'm just going to say it. Sobriety is like a thumbprint and it's super unique to you and that is the same with sober curiosity one person's struggles isn't going to be the same as another person's but I do want to say too that I think sometimes society thinks the bigger the struggle the bigger the problem 
the less the struggle, the less the problem. And what I am finding in my own story and in a lot of my peers' story is that is not true. So I don't know if that's going to give you comfort in hearing that. But I think sometimes that if you're if you're stumbling a lot or you can't quite catch your sober footing that you think I don't know it defers to like I must have this huge issue with it and if you have no problem at all then you might think ah I don't have a problem at all I should keep incorporating it into my life and I just think that's not always true so if you're gonna face challenges the second part of that question is that how do I overcome them First of all, you do overcome them so long as you keep trying. I saw a beautiful story, like a a non-drinking story on TikTok. And this girl had so many start and stop dates. And there's two ways to look at that. One, woof, that's turbulent. Or, or whoa, you kept trying. And that is how I want you to overcome those hurdles. To know that if you just keep trying, if you just keep putting yourself first, putting one step in front of the other, you will overcome it. And give yourself so much grace while you're taking those steps. Because like I said, it's a thumbprint everyone's story path journey is so different and yours is so unique and beautifully made to you so keep walking it (sighs) okay i hope all of that tracked and i really am so excited because i think the next time i do one of these episodes i'm gonna be in a new podcast studio yay in our new space in our new house that was not that it was better for more guidance on building your sober hairy team head to clearheaded.co or follow us on instagram at clearheaded.co (laughs) 